The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. When well, I am joined by a transport commentator, CEO of the RIAC, Connor Faulkner. Connor, good morning. Good morning, Pat. A number of things on our plates today, mm. and uh, one of them is that cyclists, we all know that cyclists are very vulnerable, and the stats are there saying how many injuries there are, but the stats in this case, appear to lie. They do. They understate the number of cyclists who are being seriously hurt. Uh, This is a lot of good information came out of the RSA's conference yesterday. I was there. But one of the things they're looking at is hospital stats compared to police stats right around Europe. And in our case, the Gardaí uh, report on accidents at the scene and that data becomes our road safety data. Or someone goes to the Gardaí with a complaint that they've had an incident. And and now uh, what we find is when you compare hospital data to Garda data, Garda data understates serious injuries. So there are nearly double the amount of serious injuries that are showing in our stats. But in the case of cyclists, it's much more again. And the category of accidents that we're just missing from the data is when a cyclist has a crash and there's no other vehicle involved. And that tends to happen at weekends. It tends to happen at night. It tends overwhelmingly You mean when cyclists are victims of their own activities? Well, yes, but it, it could be telling you that local authorities, for example, have to improve cycle tracks. They may need to look at how well cycle tracks are illuminated at night. They may have to look at curbs and obstacles. And they may not see any of this. If or they someone only look at rounds a bend data. and there's a big hedge. sticking out in the middle of the road and the cyclist goes into it and has a serious injury. The poor cyclist comes a cropper because there's no insurance claim, because there's, there's no other reason for the guards to follow up. The cyclist will call an ambulance go to hospital and never show up in our road safety And stands. then be logged by the hospital as a cycling injury. Yes. Uh, I mean, someone can come around the corner again on the cow patty in the middle of the road and they lose the bike and yeah. off. Yeah, absolutely. And so you would think that, you know, maybe this is people who aren't cycling very responsibly. Maybe it's people who are drunk. You know, maybe it's all human life. But I think uh, certainly you'll have to look at cycling infrastructure. And I think it makes a stronger case for investing in it. There are, there are serious injuries amongst cyclists that were just not seeing in the data and if you don't yeah. see them you can't you know make policy choices now, to stop it we're not actually blaming the guard either no no guards are doing nothing wrong they're following a, a fairly standard format that we've used for years and years and years and obviously if you know when when incidents turn into deaths for example they're faithfully logged in the record we're not missing those but if a guard that faithfully faithfully fills out his form and submits it as police forces do all around Europe uh, as I say it's not their fault if the hospital subsequently knows that actually that was a more serious serious injury or actually that person spent five days in hospital whereas the guard the form will just say yeah. you know uh, refer to hospital. Well how do you resolve uh, the issue because if for example a child is learning to cycle and mm. falls off and has an injury you know breaks an ankle or whatever it is yeah and um, that's kind of nobody's fault. The dad was, or mom was doing her, his or her best to keep the child yeah. <laughs> upright, but it, you know, the child falls off. And there's nothing, there's no one's fault there, really. Nothing you to know. be done, yeah. Um, well, uh, uh, the data so to get were, accurate data, that's really what I'm getting yeah. at. The nature of the injury, like someone loses it because they're going too fast. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, lycra-clad Sunday morning yeah. cyclists too wide across the road or they bump into each other, whatever. Do you know, we need to know precisely why the 
the collision yeah. was caused. Correct. Now, the, the data we were looking at yesterday was only categorised serious injuries. So that's a very important data set. So if you look at, for example, we see a, a pattern of males at weekends. Well, that's worthy of analysis, isn't it? It could indeed be your, your lycra-clad peloton cyclist out for a fitness. It could be somebody who has a few pints and decides that I w- certainly won't mm-hmm. drive, but it'll be a handy enough route. Or someone who doesn't home. cycle during the week and is that Sunday morning cyclist uh, who just doesn't know All what that. to do. Uh, and now I remember when we were looking at road deaths 20 years ago and you were able to study patterns like alcohol behaviours, late at night, rural roads, single males. You were able to study that data and, you know, come up with targeted advertising campaigns, for example, or engineering interventions. So the first thing to do is to collect the data well. So I think across the piece, we have to marry up hospital data with Garda data. And there's actually very good work being done on that right around Europe. We're not the only mm-hmm. ones facing this problem. But I think it's very interesting. There's a distinct cohort of, of, of road accidents and we're just plain missing them. We're not seeing that they're going on. And that's to say, yeah. it's the cyclists who are the worst victims of that because their injuries are the ones that are being most understood. I mean, some of the things that happen uh, when you're cycling um, and happened to me over the years, I remember I had a racing bike when I was younger and I happened to go over a shore that had yeah. the openings facing in parallel with the direction of the wheel. Yeah. The wheel went into the shore, off I came. Off you came. You know, and, and that would be attributed to the local authority or somebody yeah. doing the wrong thing with that shore. Yeah, I, and, and at least, you know, whatever about you coming a cropper, a bit of analysis, you can tell what went wrong and you can fix it. And then you can think of design treatments, for example, how bicycles share Lewis tracks. That's I mean, sure. standard hazard in Dublin. Um, but if, if you're studying things, these things, if you're picking up those accidents and, and, and looking at the data, you've got a chance. If you're just plain missing them and you're relying on t- intuition, for example, in 2020, if you look, at, you, you look at the cycling data and you say, oh, it was a very good year for cyclists. There were only 248 cyclists seriously hurt. Guard the data shows we had a good year. Actually, hospital data shows 755 cyclists were seriously hurt. And on Trendline, it was a rotten year. Now, so we why just was that again? This that. is a pandemic year. Well, so it, were people on bikes that were never on bikes before? Uh, you know, what, what was happening? Yeah, I think if, if, a, if a bicycle has an, if a cyclist has an accident and it doesn't involve another person or another vehicle, then they don't report it. They tend not to report it. So do we need, when they go to hospital, that the poor, unfortunate, overworked intern has got to say, OK, uh, Connor, yeah. tell me exactly what happened. How did this accident occur? Do they have to become kind of quasi-police people to give us detailed data? Well, n- not constructive, we'd all agree. But I think what you can do is you look at the hospital discharge data and say, look, here is this rich set of data information. We should be studying that. And at the moment, we're, we're just not. And we know it's a blind spot. We thought it was bad. We didn't, or at least I didn't realise it was quite that mm. bad. Uh, but that's what the data tells us. OK, now we'll come to e-scooter regulation mm. in a moment. But the other story that's knocking around today is that Eamon Ryan has been warned, yeah. unless you spend on roads, and we know that Eamon's instinct would not be to spend money on roads. Cycle paths, yes, but not so much on roads. Mm. If you don't do it, the road deaths will continue to mount. Yeah, it's pretty stark. This was a memo that TII, Transport Infrastructure Ireland, sent to Eamon Ryan 12 months ago. And now it's reported in the Irish Independent today. And essentially what they said was, these are the important road projects that we need to do. These are the calculated safety benefits. That single lane becomes a dual carriageway. And this, therefore, is the calculated number of deaths that you will prevent. Um, now, I get it. 
you can make a kind of an actuarial case. Sure. It's a little harsh on Eamon Ryan. It's not as if he's ignoring life-saving measures. Any minister has to weigh up what else you could spend your money on. The person who wants a hospital built or a clinic built will come up with a similar set of data. So, you know, transport infrastructure is ploughing its own furrow there. But nevertheless, it's a fair point. When you upgrade infrastructure, you get an economic dividend, but you also definitely get a safety dividend. And that's certainly true when you build roads. So if you adopt as a philosophy... I won't build roads or I insist that the ratio must be two to one bikes to roads. Well, then I think you're tying your hands and and you're preventing yourself making sensible, pragmatic decisions. So I think Eamon Ryan has rather tied his hands ideologically. But nevertheless, I think going at him this way is just a little, a little contrived. Uh, Some of the comments coming in, road gullies are a serious issue for cycling. Mm. They're often recessed below the road in darkness, covered over with water, serious issues and councils need to uh, step up. I've been on my bicycle and gone into a pothole on a wet day. The pothole wasn't visible. It just looked like a continuous road surface, but there was a hole there. Uh, The majority of bike injuries at the weekend are mountain bike incidents on trails, uh, so says Donald. And that's probably true. Could well be, yeah. Um, Can you ask Connor about electric cars? Why isn't the cable for an electric car not a bright colour? When you're walking past and it's a dull day, hard to see a black cable, very easy to trip on it. That's from Paul. I presume he's talking about public, uh, yeah, public charging yeah, facilities. Yeah, it's a fair, point. It's a fair um, point, yeah. And you shouldn't actually be walking between the charger and a motor car. Well, we're, we're getting all sorts of new types of cables. For example, wall-mounted ones on T-bars that will reach over a footpath and down to a car yeah. for sort of terraces and all that. And Some all of them are bright blue and others are black. Well, Most makes, are black, I it think. It makes complete sense. Yeah, it makes um, complete In the sense. UK, you can be prosecuted for drunk Cycling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the same here, but it's one reason why people won't fess up if they come a cropper cycling home drunk. Yeah, there's probably some of that, which means a little bit pejorative on cyclists, because I think all human life is there. But I'd be very surprised if there wasn't at least some of that as a reason for the mm-hmm. underreporting. Now, e-scooters, uh, this text, please find out how e-scooter riders breaking the law will be stopped or the rider identified. Some scooters can be modified to do significantly more speed than the law will allow. Uh, 20 kilometres is now going to be the Mm. uh, speed limit for e-scooters. Failure to do so will exacerbate tensions on the road. Failure to, you know, identify the So, it is a problem. 20 kilometres, I mentioned to our listeners the other day, uh, I tracked a guy on the Monkstown Road, 48 kilometres per hour on a scooter. I call him the Glimmer Man because he was barely illuminated front and rear. It's absolutely reckless, isn't it? And look, from what you say there, there's a few different laws that that guy is is, is already, um, um, you know, guilty of offences under. Uh, Problem is, if there's nobody there to catch him, if there's no way to identify him, uh, there's absolutely no way that writing a new law down is going to change his behaviour. The old law didn't change his behaviour. The new law is unlikely to. But there was a good session on e-scooters again at the conference yesterday and a couple of things emerging from it. Firstly, as you say, Ireland has now decided we're going to go with 20 kbh, not 25, which was the conversation, Mm -hmm. even as our primary law was being passed last June. But we can change it by way of regulation. Why 20 rather than 25? It looks like 20 is becoming the European norm. So it's the science behind this that if you fall off at 20, that you'll be okay if you fall off at 25 or 30. You... Not a, well, yes and no. There's not a huge deal of specific research to say that 25 is much worse than 20 where it comes to an e-scooter. I think we just have to pick a line that we all agree on. And the emerging consensus in Europe is 20. Now, what will that mean? It'll mean eventually when we get type approval done, you won't be able to manufacture or sell a scooter capable of going faster than 20. And that'll be a good thing, hasten the day. In the meantime, of course, um, we don't yet 
yet have properly hammered out design specifications. Very important things like the size of the front wheel. Yeah. Uh, again, the conference heard yesterday, the front wheel should be a minimum of 12 inches in um, in diameter. And that's because of the size of things like holes in in. Yeah. street furniture and, and, and most shores, of them are not most of them are most half of them are that. smaller and there's also emerging data that people fall off scooters in a different way that they fall off bicycles they tend to fall forward so it's actually a different type of injury that's presenting in emergency departments which again I think is sort of very interesting so what's going to happen as the wild west normalises is we'll see what a standard e-scooter looks like it'll be limited to 20 kbh it won't be possible for the machine to go any faster it'll look a bit different design wise it will have a larger front Front wheel. It'll pro- have to have proper lights and all that, and it will be a safer vehicle, and it will live on cycle tracks, and we'll all get used to that. We'll have to have a different conversation about souped-up bicycles and all yeah. sorts of other vehicles yeah. that will look like an innocent... You uh, can imagine you know, an e-scooter injury might be less severe because your feet are actually just inches off the ground and therefore you're falling um, pretty much as if you tripped on a pavement, but you're falling at speed, whereas off a bicycle... Forward, yeah. You're falling in a very different way with the machine maybe caught under you and all yes. sorts of things. And just on, on the on the mechanics of it, as you fall on a bicycle, even if you sort of classically go over the handlebars, you tend to be thrown left or right. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. Could mean a collarbone rather than a wrist or whatever it is. Whereas the scooters, you tend to go forward. And as I say, the medics that we heard from yesterday will tell you that you can actually start to see that in the pattern of injuries. Mm-hmm. So that should inform design. Um, the the and final th- element, though, is identification. Um, yeah. You know, you have a, a prang or a, an e-scooter causes an accident. I Coming into work this morning again, guy just flew straight across Georgia yeah. Street against the lights at, at some pretty good speed. Now, he was highly illuminated. He was wearing mm. builder's trousers, which had the high-vis yeah. stripes on them and so on, but didn't give a toss, just yeah. flew straight across. So how do you identify someone who offends in this way? Uh, an e-scooter knocks down a pedestrian, for example, yeah, and well, they vanish off into the distance. If a car does it, you've some chance of... Get it, clocking the registration plate, yeah. you have no chance with the uh, with the e-scooter. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and at the moment, there's no fix for that. There are countries that are saying we want a license. We're going to insist. Norway is one of those countries. They were early adopters. Now they're bringing in tighter rules. Everybody wants much tighter rules for rental schemes, including identifying the rider at all times. But for private scooters, some countries are saying license needed. Uh, Singapore, for example, you're very heavily tracked and um, has to have a registration plate. Ireland's not doing that. Neither are most other countries because it may emerge that, you know, that's just too big a solution for too small a problem. There are other ways to get to the behaviours that you've just described. We're pretty sloppy on that. The foreign delegates to the conference yesterday were commenting on the lack of discipline amongst cyclists and pedestrians and Dublin roads. So maybe we'll need to get better. But these things will be an enforcement and cultural change. I don't think you're ever going to do it with rules and laws. And I think if you try to do it with rules and laws, you start to bum up against sort of civil liberties. But are we going to have the guard with the speed times? gun designed specifically for the bike? Well, I think on standing the, in the bike lane with his little yeah, pistol. I, I think on the bikes, it will be that the, the the machine won't be capable. Its speed limiter will prevent it, um, and that's probably the only way to fix. it. I don't think my forty-eight kilometer an hour guy is going to trade his in for a slower model. Well, you're probably right, but there are laws that can get him. You know, if he he's breaking a thirty kph speed limit that applies to all road users, so if there were guards knocking around. If there was just a guard on duty, I suggest his behaviour will be better. But the guard tra- won't know. He said, no, I was doing 18, not 48. Nevertheless, the <laughs> sheer presence of an actual guard, an actual guard and not a camera, tends to make civil obedience break out. So if you want to fix a lot of these things, 
as I said before, don't reach for extra laws, reach for extra guards and see what difference that makes. Uh, Connor Faulkner, thank you very much for joining us. Connor is a transport commentator and CEO of the RIAC. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.